But with that, I simply want to say, let us pray. Let us pray the prayer for illumination. O God, prepare now our minds and hearts that through Your Word, Christ may dwell within us and ever rule over our thoughts and affections as the Lord and Master of our lives. Amen. Amen. Our first reading comes from Genesis, the first book of the Bible, of course, but it's near the end of Genesis, and it's near the end of what the theologians would call the, the uh, or Bible scholars would call the Joseph cycle. So it's coming near to the end of that. But Genesis 45, verses 1 through 15, or it's titled by this publisher, Joseph provides for his brothers and family. The scene is is that Joseph is in the, in the court uh, in the in the um, temple and or the palace, excuse me, and his brothers are seated or on their knees before him. Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. He cried, "Make everyone go out from me." So no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud so that the Egyptians heard it and the household of Pharaoh heard it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But, this bro- but his brothers could not answer him for they were dismayed at his presence. So Joseph said to his brothers, Come near to me, please. And they came near and he said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh, and Lord of all his house, and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Hurry, go up to my father and say to him, Thus says your son Joseph, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, do not tarry. You shall dwell in the land of Goshen, and you shall be near me, you and your children and your children's children, and your flocks, your herds, and all that you have. There I will provide for you, for there are yet five years of famine to come so that you and your household and all that you have do not come to poverty. And now your eyes see, and the eyes of my brother Benjamin see, that that it is my mouth that speaks to you. You must tell my father all my honor in Egypt and of all that you have seen. Hurry and bring my father down here. Then he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept, and Benjamin wept upon his neck. And he kissed all his brothers and wept upon them. After that, his brothers talked with him. I now read to you Psalm one, Psalm one thirty three. Doesn't take doesn't take much of a breeze to move my papers. Psalm one thirty three. There we go. the editor titled this When Brothers Dwell in Unity. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the, on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. 
It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. And our final reading this morning is from Matthew 15. I'm going to read to you Matthew 15, verses 10 through 20. In this reading, Israel is often referred to as the plant sustained by God. Jesus came along and claimed that the Pharisees would be uprooted because they were not truly God's people. You can imagine how what kind of riot that incited. The religious leaders, he claimed, were blind to spiritual truth because they refused to accept Jesus' teachings. Matthew 15, 10 through 20. And Jesus called the people to him and said to them, Hear and understand. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth. This defiles a person. Then the disciples came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard you this saying? And Jesus answered, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be rooted up. Let them alone. They are blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. But Peter said to him, Explain the parable to us. And Jesus said, Are you also still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles the person. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The title of my sermon is uh, To Be Uncommon. Okay? And the question for the day is, what is in your mouth? What is in your mouth? You could also ask the question, what comes out of your mouth? But it's um, a wise person once said, be sure to taste your words before you spit them out. Be sure to taste your words before you spit them out. Or in other words, think about what you're saying before you say it. And I, in my life, I have wished and wished so many times I had just thought one more second before it came out of my mouth. Because, you know, once it comes out of your mouth, you can't, you can't bring it back. And it's like everybody's going to remember it because it was just wasn't the right thing to say at that moment. I've always wondered, how many of you have seen the, the, the movie Men in Black? MIB, Men in Black? Okay, so you, Will, Will Smith and the folks. Remember that little thing, that little gadget that they had in the movie? It's called a, they called it in the movie a neuralizer, neuralizer, okay? And if they, want, if, if they wanted the person to forget what just happened, remember they'd hold it up and they, and they wore sunglasses so they wouldn't see the flash. But it would emit this bright flash and then it would erase the, um, the short-term memory of the person. They would have no idea of what happened. And, but they would be okay. Well, I can tell you, I have wanted to do that. I have, I've wanted a neuralizer, and I need two of them. I need one for the pulpit and the other for my office. And, and the one for the pulpit would have to be big, you know, because I want everybody in the room to forget what I just said. Because, uh, you know, as you can tell, my speaking, you know, I've developed the, 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 um, the, the craft of just talking. And so uh, sometimes when you're just talking, you're going to regret what you just said. So 
But, uh, um, but as I said, the question of what is in your mouth or what's get, get, just getting ready to come out of your mouth reminded me of, I've, I've, I've had Cocker Spaniels almost my whole life. Okay? One of my favorites was years ago when I was living in Wilmington, Delaware. Actually, it was a suburb of Wilmington called Bear, Delaware. But I was living down there, and I, and I bought this little, cute, little uh, female Cocker Spaniel, and her name was Chrissy. And Chrissy, we had this townhouse that had a, a, a fenced-in area in the back, so I could open up the door and let her out, and she'd go out in the backyard and do her business, and she'd wander around and, and look for things, and she'd come back in the house. I'd open up the sliding door, and she'd come running back in, and I'd go, whoa, 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 what's in your mouth? Uh, it's dog people, huh? Yeah, you know what? That's right, Jackie, you know. There's times you, you want to know, but you really don't want to know. So Chrissy had, 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 I had trained her to get to the point where if I put my hand out, she would just open her mouth and let it tumble out into my hand. I can remember this happening more than once, is that I would op- I'd go, Chrissy, drop it. And I'd put my hand out like this. And when she opened her mouth, it was a big, fat slug. I know. It didn't happen just once. It, it, she had some fascination with slugs. And she would just go out and about and looking for them, and then she'd bring them in the house so many times. But So that's that one memory that, that I have. I had another Cocker Spaniel after that, and his name was Buster. It was male, and he had the same habit. He would go out there and put things in his mouth, and he'd come in the house. And you could, You've seen that body language of a dog when you know they're carrying something in their mouth, and you really don't want to ask but you don't want it left in the house. So, but so, but the thing is, is that you know, Jesus is teaching about what, what is in your mouth. What, what, you know, what is what's getting ready to come out of your mouth? Because in their world, they, it, it there. I'm going to teach you. Um, there's a translate. This translation, all your translations have a twist in it that that. And you'll get used to me. I'll go, that's not really what it says. That's not really what it says. So, here we go. In the original text, in the original manuscript, it does say, it it has a a word, but you know how this says, whatever comes out of your mouth defiles? Well, that was as close as they could get. Because really, what it says is that which comes out of your mouth can make you common. Okay? Can make you common. And to the Jewish mind, that was serious stuff. Because they believed they were uncommon. Because uncommon and holy were synonymous. The holy people were uncommon. The Gentiles were common. So what comes out of your mouth makes you those undesirable Gentiles that live on the street, live down that hill from you. And so see what what it's saying. is that it's not, think about the Jewish purity laws. It's not what goes into your mouth that makes you common. See? It's what comes out of your mouth that makes you common. Because what it, why? Why is that? It's because it reveals, it reveals what may be lurking in your heart and what may be the thoughts on your mind that come out. And so it's a good question, it's a good practice to say, what is in my mouth? What is getting ready to come out of my mouth?
You know, it's like, like, the, like the wise saying said, taste the words before you spit them out. It's that, think, think about what we're saying. In, this, in, the, in, in our day today, we have a tendency to talk fast. So therefore, if somebody speaks, we feel like we need to answer them right away. I, I had the opportunity to um, sit in a, a class with a, um, a professor who answered no one fast. No one. He waited. You could ask him a question, and you, you, you truly thought that he didn't hear you. And he'd just sit there and look at you. And then he'd finally answer you. And it wasn't he was being disrespectful. It's just he thought about his every word. Because he knew once it came out of his mouth, he couldn't retract it. And I think it was a wonderful practice of all of us. Is that, you know, taste those words before you spit them out. You know, think about what's in your mouth before you let it out. And that, and that works everywhere, but especially for Christians. Because for us, that may be the only way they know, the community knows us. And that's something that, you know, as we sit on top of this hill, I think about the opportunities that this church could have to have a better, greater presence in the community. And it doesn't mean handing out Bibles on that intersection right there. But by the way, that, that would be incredible. I think we'd go broke handing out Bibles. But, but, I mean, there's so many cars that come by. But my point, my point is that that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about making ourselves present in various settings and tasting our words before they come out of our before we spit them out of our mouth and think about what we're saying because we're being watched as God has placed us on this hill we're being watched and it's good to be watched and it's good to be that example because the community needs us not to tell them that they're wrong they need us because people right now there are people right now that feel very very alone very isolated, very separated. And they headed into the pandemic like that. I mean, it, just, the pandemic just made it worse. So as we go and as we thrive here and as we try to identify who we are, you'll hear me teach you these lessons of taste your words before you spit them out. It's a good practice, whether you're a Christian, whether you're a businessman or woman, whether you're a preacher whether you're a teacher, whether you're in the medical field, whether you're in the banking, whatever it may be, taste your words before you spit them out. Why? Because the world is watching us. Let us pray. Lord, as we consider your teachings, I can only imagine what those disciples and those crowds must have been like. And the things that you heard them say, and as even you chastise your disciples, is it, do you still not understand? You've been teaching them and teaching them for months and months, and they still needed another lesson. I needed another explanation. Lord, sometimes we do too. Forgive us for our misunderstandings. Forgive us for the words that came out that we wish we could get back. And Lord, also encourage us to pace ourselves and to taste those words our words before we spit them out. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As I... Here we go. Here we go.